All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Stan Zlotsky from the Morgan Stanley Software Research Team. And uh, with us this afternoon, we have the pleasure of hosting the Blackline team, Mark Barton and uh, Alexander Geller from IR. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, so before we get started, quick uh, note that uh, please note that all important disclosures, including personal holdings disclosures and Morgan Stanley disclosures, appear on the Morgan Stanley <coughs> public website at www.morganstanley.com slash research disclosures or at the registration desk. So um, with that, Mark, thank you again uh, for uh, joining us at the tech conference today. Um, before, we, uh, before we dig into uh, the, the fundamentals of the company, maybe just a, 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 quick, um, a quick feedback, any kind of feedback on, on the coronavirus situation and how you guys are, are thinking about it. Sure. So obviously this is very top of mind for everyone. It's something that we're closely monitoring at Blackline. We are, um, we were a bit lucky timing-wise in the sense that our largest customer conference took place last September. So we did get the benefit of that. Um, we do have the majority of our revenues come from our North American customer base. We do have some future smaller customer events in Europe and Asia Pac. We're currently evaluating you know, the best way to essentially utilize the customer and partner time, whether it's in person or virtual. So we'll decide, you know, how that's going to turn out as this continues to unfold. Um, but really, it's the safety of our employees, our customers, and our partners is very top of mind. We put in place a number of precautions to ensure safety for all of those individuals. And really, from a Blackline customer perspective, the Blackline tool enables our, our customers to essentially collaborate around the financial close without that in-person, face-to-face interaction. So for customers that aren't using a black line, they're printing out papers, they're sharing papers back and forth, they're on site. Um, you know, auditors that are using black line are essentially able to audit the companies without having to travel and be on site as well. That's great. And, and as far as just the, the actual uh, momentum of the business, uh, you know, as, as far as you know, obviously, you know, this is all very, very much <coughs> Uh, still uh, in play, but um, you know, you, you, any anything to call out, or is, it's business as usual right now. Okay. Yeah, perfect. All right. Um, so with that out of the way, um, Mark, just starting at a very at a very high level, right? Blackline <clears throat> competes in the market for financial close automation. Yeah. Um, and th where you guys really thrive is on the complexity um, and the demands of repeating that process quarter in quarter out and the chaos that comes with it on a quarterly basis. Um, how, does, how, does the, how does the solution help customers to deal with that complexity? Yeah, uh, great. Thank you, Stan. It's great to be at this conference. We love it, and we've gotten some really good feedback. And I think this is an, an essential uh, part of the understanding of the Black Line story, is that um, for forever, actually, accountants have been closing their books in a very manual, repetitive uh, way. And what our solution offers for CFOs and controllers and accounting departments of all, of all types, sizes, geographies, right. industries, essentially any company that needs to close their books, is a faster, better, more seamless way to close in an environment where growing complexity, uh, growing globalism uh, in companies, growing ERPs and systems that are disconnected, um, where previously CFOs have solved their problem and are closing their books in Excel, 
Um, we offer a solution to do that. And what it is is a cloud platform that is a workflow tool that automates many of the functions that they do from account reconciliation to task management to transaction matching to variance reviews, all of the things that an accountant would do in their daily life to go from raw data to accurate, timely financial statements can and should be done on a digital core system like Blackline. So we now have 3,000 companies. A lot of them uh, are large enterprise with big, complex problems that are disconnected across uh, continents and, and systems, but also mid-market companies that want to close faster, that want to have more accurate uh, information. So think of us really as going in and providing a better solution for Excel, uh, for uh, paper, for what accountants, 90% of companies today still closing their books using these kinds of tools in accounting. Right. No, th 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 that, that makes a lot of sense. So considering that you know, every mid-market, every enterprise company has to close their books, yeah. right? When you think about the, the uh, companies that, that are really addressable by your solution, um, what, what do they look like? And maybe, maybe a different way of asking the question is, how far down market can you go with your solution where maybe it's, it's a little bit less relevant? Sure. Uh, we, we target $50 million of revenue and up. And the reason for that is, uh, in the mid-market, it's 50 to $500 million. And the reason for that is that you probably, if you're $50 million, have about 10 accountants and you have a, um, an ERP and then you have other systems that are starting to come online, subledgers, cash systems, banking systems, and those things start to create a problem for you. So what you can do with Blackline is implement it at that stage to start to automate many of the processes that previously you were doing with shared service models or outsourced or hiring people at a faster rate in order to do very manual transaction-based systems. So a mid-market can buy our system for that kind of efficiency, but they can also use it for accuracy, they can use it for uh, faster uh, reporting, and many of us, even, even uh, Blackline, even at our size, we operate in many countries around the globe, uh, and you'll have multiple ERP instances, uh, and people that don't always talk to each other or work together collaboratively the way our system will mandate that you do that. So in the mid-market, it's a very powerful tool uh, just for that kind of automation. But at the same time, you can also use tools like our uh, transaction matching, which will drive um, automation across um, many of your ledger systems for things that you will either not do or ha and, and risk it or you will have to do with people. Matching ledgers, matching data in order to get that into the accurate financial statements. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the, it, I remember when we were watching your your um, last user conference and analyst day, the way they kind of you guys really segmented your your potential universe of users is really, you know, the, the reactive, defensive CEOs, right, versus the you know the really proactive, innovative CFOs. Sorry, CFOs in both cases. Yeah. yeah. Um, you yourself are a CFO. Um, when you when you think about those two buckets. Um, obviously, the proactive ones are the ones who are already using them. They're one of the 3,000 customers today. But how do you get some of those reactive CFOs, you know, some of the, the guys who are still you know, kind of still stuck there with Excel and whatnot, to start 
uh, adopting solution, you know, block line solutions? Yeah, uh, this is a great question. Blackline, because we pioneered this market and because we are the leader, we're the ones spending money on marketing and education, and there's not a lot of other companies doing that. So for us to really impact and drive um, faster adoption in our market, which is at the core of that question, there's a few things that have to happen on their end. First is it's a... Um, think of employee mobility as being a catalyst because the more accountants move around and go from one company to the next, the more they demand for better tools, better systems, and they don't want to do Excel uh, spreadsheets for important work like reconciliation. So a lot of the employee mobility will bubble up into a buy. Second is we can see um, from a top-down audit committees and boards consultancies like Deloitte and ENY that are building practices around digital core in the CFO's office, they will help CFOs who are traditionally risk-averse, pragmatic, no-budget kind of uh, builders of, of um, you, you know, the systems, they will help drive education as well. So they're helping us with that process. Um, surprisingly, we also see a lot of movement and catalysts when CFOs succeed uh, and turn over, right? Because when someone comes in new, they're willing to take the risk of unwinding existing systems, of, you know, of evaluating what currently is being done by a lot of people inefficiently across the world and putting in better systems. So you see a reinvestment that also is occurring because the CFO is in the executive office of the enterprise who is the last person to invest in their systems. HR is doing it, sales is doing it, marketing has already done it. Digital transformation at the front end of the enterprise hasn't really even touched the back end. Many of you are investing in companies that are going into the CFO's office, either for sales tax or billing or something else, right? Financial close is the biggest part of what those people in the CFO's office are doing, and they're still doing that in Excel as well. So we're really trying to, uh, you know, to, in order to move the CFO, education helps. Um, uh, they're, uh, they're competitive, you know, peer pressure. All of those things are starting to work towards getting CFOs to invest in their back end. And I think that actually another important element is where our existing customers fall on that spectrum of defensive and reactive to proactive. So actually the majority of our customers sit probably squarely in the middle, and really only 10% of existing Blackline customers are really undergoing digital transformation. So the opportunity within the existing customer base is still pretty significant. That's, that's, that's a really great perspective. Digging into the, the, your overall market opportunity, right? One of the ways that you guys are going after this really large opportunity is through partnerships, right? And <clears throat> your biggest partnership is your partnership with SAP. Um, can you give us a, a bit of an update of, you know, where you are in that relationship and how you're thinking about it in going into 2020? Of course, yeah. SAP uh, is a go-to-market partnership that um, we've been in for many years, but in the last year we um, upgraded it from what had previously been a referral agreement to now a reseller agreement. So SAP uh, sells Blackline on their price list in their paper through their sales force. So they're taking Blackline to market. This is about one-year-old uh, agreement, and the investment thesis behind this partnership is they have thousands and thousands of companies that are a billion dollars of revenue and more all over the world. They're one of the premier ERPs, and they're taking our solution into that installed base. 
We have a lot of SAP customers, but it's in the hundreds. So the opportunity is for them to use their brand, their power, their price list to go with their sales force and sell a cloud solution for accounting close into their existing base. And that, that, that is both on-prem and for the S4 HANA converting customers, where we have a great use case for SAP customers. So what we hope in this future of this contra uh, contract with SAP is that they continue to drive um, their business. They're incented and motivated at the field level and at the enterprise level because this is cloud revenue that they, that they can take and this is a solution they can provide to their customer, that they'll be a big part of our go-to-market distribution opportunity in the future. And that's something that, like I said, we've had a multi-year relationship with SAP. This new economic model known as Solex gives us um, expanded distribution and reach in markets and at companies that we may have never seen without them. Got it. And, and 20, about 25% of your revenue base now comes from this yeah. SAP relationship. Um, how much bigger do you think that, that can really get? Yeah, 25% um, of our um, customers were sold through one of our SAP partnerships, either the previous one or this one. And we think when we look at the markets where we operate today globally that SAP represents about a third of the, of the ERP market, Oracle is about a third, and then all others are in that other third bucket, and that includes Workday and NetSuite and, and all the others. So, so we think you know, we would trend towards, um, if we're successful, trend towards that one-third. Got it. So we can continue to increase that rate uh, or that you know, percentage of our business with SAP as they continue to drive new, new business. Got it. And um, although, you know, we obviously want the SAP partnership to be very successful, most of our customers are on multiple versions or instances, instances of varying ERPs. So that ERP neutrality is very important to Blackline because it's so important to our customers. Yeah. So maybe, maybe just to put a, a finer point on it, right, is, is, the, is the way to think about this opportunity, right, is if you divide up the market into a third, a third, a third, if you look at Blackline, would would you know in, in in some in some point of maturity would your you know relationship with SAP be a third of your revenue and then a third would be from you know and two thirds would come from all the other vendors? Yeah, that's the way it is now. Uh, the way it is now is that about a third comes from each of those buckets. The twenty five percent is just through the partnership. So we have additional SAP revenue that wasn't sold in partnership. Got it. Which would take us the rest of the way. So. So the answer to that is yes. Ideally, our business continues to be this uh, neutral, you know, to any of the ERPs that we play nice, that we are, it's part of our, you know, this Switzerland is part of our advantage as a standalone provider because ERPs um, are often, you have a multi-ERP environment in large enterprises and our ability to seamlessly integrate with all of those is important to serving each of those customers that has that. Got it. Yeah. And what is it specifically about the the migration of customers to S4 HANA that makes it such a, uh, a great event to bring in Blackline? Sure. So a lot of customers actually look at the S4 HANA upgrade, actually really any ERP upgrade, as a completely separate um, opportunity from implementing a black line. And the beauty is that the two combined can really create a lot of value. So, um, you know, as of late, we've actually seen this use case in action. So we just announced on the Q4 call that 
we have a Japanese Solex customer. And essentially, they had an aggressive S4 HANA timeline. And they were challenged by the fact that because that S4 HANA migration is so time consuming and it requires so many resources, they essentially didn't have the appropriate number of resources to put towards this HANA migration while they're also trying to manage you know, their financial close process that's also mission critical. So they were actually looking at Blackline as a way to help them essentially take the appropriate resources away from the financial close to focus on the S4 HANA migration. So that's a big reason why um, they wanted to move forward with Blackline. We're seeing that type of use case happening more and more. And you know, as Mark was saying, we think this can be a really compelling piece of that SAP Select partnership as you know they're seeing more of their customers moving towards S4 HANA within their timeline. So there's that there's that technology and that data advantage that right. we provide as they bridge it over, but it's also just simply uh, it's a pivot point for a customer who's making a decision to invest in a cloud and they're looking around and it's a great time to really enter that process. Right. That, that, that's, that certainly sounds compelling. And uh, Alex, you just mentioned uh, the the, the customer in Japan, um, but maybe looking a little bit more broadly at your overall international business, right? Um, that's been a really important vector of growth for you guys, and um, you noted that in Q4 it accelerates about 42% growth year on year. Um, how are you thinking about international moving forward, and what role do partnerships play in your, in your expansion internationally? Uh, great. Yeah, we're about 80% uh, U.S. and 20% uh, outside of the U.S. Um, it's been growing nicely, particularly in Europe, where we've invested for several years in, in people and, and in partnerships. And as Stan mentioned, what really can help us in markets like Japan and Germany and, and Northern Europe and even in the U.K. is when Deloitte and ENY uh, help us go to market. They do that here in North America, but they're particularly active with us in, in Europe. Additionally, SAP uh, is really strong with us right now. We've had long-term relationships with them in Europe, and they've been helping us accelerate the European part of our growth. And what role do you think, you know, maybe into 2020, are there any changes you're looking to make to, the, to these partnerships outside of SAP? Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, let me talk about the, the main ones, which are these consulting partners. So Deloitte, E&Y is an example. Um, they're building uh, digital finance transformation practices, and Blackline is a part of that. So we're sort of a core, digital core to the CFO's office, and they will go in, and what they want to do is invest their people and get uh, with their customers on uh, best practice, you know, process and procedure and human capital and really driving um, the overall CFO's office. And so we're a piece of that. So our, our goal this year is to concentrate on a handful, not to build a really Got wide it. ecosystem, but in order to prime the pump, the consultants really get the CFO's ear. And that's important because we speak really well to the accounting buyer and then when you get to the CFO, they want to speak uh, with maybe a Deloitte or an E&Y or an SAP. Similarly, they're very good in the IT department, and they help us as we navigate a digital transformation, bring in the CFO, bring in the CIO or CTO, and make this digital transformation a five- or six-figure deal into a seven-figure multi-year implementation as part of an overall transformation. So what, the, what we get from 
from the consultants is a better experience for the customer who not only has to close the books every month and not get distracted, they need those resources, but we get people who are properly engaging with our product and implementing it in a way that they get time to value a lot sooner. Deals are bigger, deals are more successful if we can get the partners. Got it. And you guys have also been really focused on building out your product portfolio, right? And um, your strategic products specifically um, are, are now about 22% of your, of your business. Um, within the, the three product buckets that go into strategic uh, products, um, which ones are you seeing the most demand for? Um, so we have this uh, strategic product portfolio that has transaction matching, smart close, which helps you uh, with your tasks uh, when you're closing your books, and then intercompany hub, which is transformational in an enterprise that, that helps you manage subsidiary um, intercompany allocations and, uh, and goods and services. So those, those three products make up about 20% of sales, 15 to 20% each quarter. And we think that's a good balance because the core is 80%. We see a lot of demand there. The vast majority of companies can and should be using that, but that strategic product portfolio is really for companies that are ready for digital transformation and are investing and have a, a budget for it and are, are engaged. So we think that 80-20 is the right split in this next year. Where we get the most uptake uh, is in transaction matching. That's a transformational project uh, product for both mid-market and for enterprise, and so we have about 20% uh, penetration in our existing customers, that's hundreds, uh, so there's still plenty of opportunity. But this product can turn a uh, five-figure mid-market deal into a six-figure deal because it really changes the game in terms of their ability to, to, to uh, match off a lot of manual um, labor uh, and, and, and matching. The other two products are still nascent. They are between 1% and 2% in terms of our penetration and our uh, customer base. Now, what we're doing to help drive that in the future is we've built subject matter expert teams inside. We have gotten our partners more engaged and trained and developed on how to sell and implement intercompany hub. We're starting to see expansions and deals that we already have sold and get, we have very good customer testimonials. So it's new. We're pioneering and building that market. It doesn't exist outside of Blackline. You, this is, uh, this is pioneering a market. And so we think about half of our customers uh, could and should be using a product like uh, Intercompany Hub, and that will just take time to, to, uh, to drive that. So that in the near term, uh, in the next several years, what's really driving our business is this core product, and these strategic products will continue to help us serve what we think is about 10% of our customer population that is truly digitally transforming. Got it. And with, within those, those three products, and by, by the people on the webcast couldn't see, but when Mark started talking about strategic products, he really set up and you know, he, he got excited. Um, but the um, transaction matching and smart clothes, um, why wouldn't those be, over time, uh, applicable as attached products to you know, your, your entire customer base? Uh, transaction matching is. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Transaction matching is from mid-market to enterprise a product that they should and be able to attach to all. So that is our goal in the long term. Smart Close is slightly nuanced today because it exists inside the ERP, an SAP ERP. 
So we have to do development to actually take that into the cloud and take that into other ERPs, which is a long-term goal. But for now, smart clothes is a very, and, and the companies that do have it, love it, and they don't want to live without it. So it's a very high sticky, high retention <coughs> product, but it's very specific to that group of customers. Um, and that's why it, it, it'll take time to actually make that technology and that capability um, you know, uh, for, every, for every customer. And for intercompany hub, you mentioned that it's maybe you know, half of your customers, 50%, would be applicable for that. What, what's, what's specific about Intercompany Cub that would only yeah. be, make it applicable? For so uh, think of this product as um, being a forcing function for companies that have um, many subsidiaries with a lot of uh, corporate allocations or goods and services transferring between. We see some of our customers who have a 5 or 6x of their revenue can be intercompany revenue. That's how much is moving between subsidiaries. Surprisingly, if you're in a paper industry or something and you vertically or horizontally integrate it, you are moving these things throughout all of these global entities, and it gets really messy. And several years ago, many countries adopted some new uh, regulations that if you don't reconcile your books in that particular subsidiary or that country, not only will you have to pay tax for it, but you'll be penalized for it. So now you have to clean up your books. And the intercompany account for accountants has always been the under-the-bed problem. Everything you focus on as an accountant is cash, liquidity, AR, things like equity, but you shove everything into intercompany because you believe, hey, that's between friends and family, so it's going to be okay. And that's where many problems, that's where fraud exists, that's where many problems existed on many companies' books. There's not a solution for that except today at the end of a month or period or year, there can be a lot of people trying to unwind and reconcile all of these transactions that may not be able to, to, to finally get to the answer, so they write it off, or they take a loss, or they get taxed and penalized on it. So that's the problem or the catalyst that exists out there for right. us to solve. What Intercompany Hub does is it provides a forcing function that doesn't allow any individual accountant to go in and put one side of the equation onto your ledger and hope that the other guy in Germany with a different currency and, and a different timing gets it right so that you can force that you won't have an intercompany out of balance. It's not easy to do that. You've right. got to have uh, transfer pricing and your legal and your tax people and your accountants and your finance people at the table. They're a part of this process. But when you do get it, it's an elegant solution that really works, particularly for companies that want to do acquisitions and are, um, are, are complex. So that's why I think we believe the right target is for the 15 or 1,600 very large enterprises. Right. Right that we serve that have that problem and have that penalty uh, that can sometimes be seven-figure penalty, um, you know, if they don't get it done right. Yeah, and that's, that's certainly a great forcing function for adoption of these, uh, of these modules. So the, the, the way that um, I think investors would be looking at these, and the, the, I'm, I'm going to throw out this question, then we'll open up the floor to questions uh, from the audience, but the, the way that these strategic uh, products um, are, are, are showing up in the market, <clears throat> We would, we, would, we would expect them to really drive your net revenue retention. Um, and we, we saw a very impressive step up in 2019 to 110% from 108 mm -hmm. in 2018. Um, how are you thinking about the net revenue retention metric uh, going into 2020 and beyond? 
Sure. We have a 110% net revenue retention rate that is driven by a 98% renewal rate, 99% enterprise renewal rate with a mid-90s for mid-market. So it's a really strong, sticky product, and our customers are loyal, and, and, um, and, and we serve them, many of them, for a very long time. Um, what's driving the retention rate is, first, a land and expand model that we've had for many years. About 50-50 of our business is land and the other is expand. And that's typically user or global uh, deployments. You buy, you set a timeline, and you roll out globally and, and to other divisions, and so it's user expansion. We also have price increases each year. But what really can move the needle in the future is the ability to sell more of those strategic products into those customers. And they're big-ticket items. They're six-figure, seven-figure deals. They can really change the game um, within many of our customers that are digitally transforming. Um, so that moves the needle on moving right. that number. In the near term, we're, you know, we're really happy with where it is. We think the range, based on our business model as we're building this, is about 108 to 109. Right. Uh, still strong, but mainly built on a very strong renewal rate, our number one focus. Once you get a uh, accountant, they can and will remain loyal as long as you, you know, deliver on your promise. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, uh, let me see if there are any questions in the audience. Hopefully, quick ones. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain a bit about the the benefits for the customer? So, on average, how much faster do they close their books? What sort of the the payback time for them? What sort of ROI that they get on spending on Blackline? Sure. Um, we, we have customers that will get on stage at our customer conferences often and talk about how they, uh, it's changed their life. Um, they talk about r returns that are hundreds of percent on what they've invested and thousands of hours. We have customers that do 200,000 account reconciliations, used to do them manually, monthly, and now they've automated 90, close to 90% of them. So you can think about really compelling ROI. Um, the ROI that's more difficult to capture is the risk mitigation. Um, we believe that when you use our product, you get better visibility, better hierarchical control, better internal control environment than just the paper and Excel that you used to get. And so what we're really trying to do is to drive more accuracy into the financial statements, into the numbers that go into that, and we're trying to um, also make it faster, easier to use, better to recruit and retain people because they have this very elegant solution, uh, and, and faster because that's what the CFO cares about ultimately. Can you get your clothes done quicker and faster? And we see many, many uh, examples of that. Unfortunately, uh, legal departments never let accounting departments talk about improvements they make uh, when it comes to uh, financial statements. So it's hard to get anyone to right. put it in paper. But uh, come to our customer conference and you'll see uh, companies with people whose lives have literally transformed uh, using products like ours. We, we have a very loyal customer base. We're very proud of them. Perfect. Uh, Mark, well, this is a great place for us to stop. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, Mark, you. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Really